1: Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover Three podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, Checking in with you midweek, an extra special show adding one to your feed because while we are just tearing through win totals and a reminder, we've got SEC East already in your feed, SEC West coming up on Wednesday, and then our win totals locks just sort of getting you ready for those Thursday locks episode that will be coming on Thursday. Uh, so I'm, I'm starting to realize that we also have this news and we've got all this buzz and longtime listeners of the podcast through the cover three edition through the 24 seven sports college football podcast edition through multiple rebrands. You've known that we are all about trying to bring you the buzz from camps, from scrimmages all across the country and the reason we are able to do this is because of 24/7 Sports. So, uh, Bud, that's why it's that's why it's you and I. We're going to try to run down uh, a list of some of the biggest takeaways, some of the news, the players that are making a buzz, and the longtime listeners have been calling for this old jingle. But I don't I don't know how familiar you are with players that are making a buzz, uh, the the knockoff of the the old 24/7 Sports College Football Podcast theme song. But I mean, I guess I could only say, Are, are you ready to buzz it up? Let's buzz it. Players that are making a buzz. Camp camp buzz. Camp camp buzz. Camp camp buzz. Talking about players that are buzzing. All right. Well, let's start uh up in South Bend where the the buzz has to be the fact that a quarterback position has a quarterback battle has been settled. You know? Is stands in comparison to the, where things are going uh, at Texas, where it doesn't seem like anybody's jumping up and taking the job. We had excitement about uh, so the youth that is there for Brian Kelly and Notre Dame, but Brian Kelly's already stepping out, and he has named after just one week of camp Jack Cohn the starting quarterback. What uh, are you hearing from South Bend and from Notre Dame, and what does that tell you about either the way Cohn has played uh, or or sort of where the where the status of that quarterback position is right now.
1: Sure. So look, I, you get Jack Cohn from Wisconsin. He obviously lost the job there at UW, but he showed that he was competent. And that's really what I expect out of him at Notre Dame. You know, like I'm not sure that he's going to be a great player. I think he has a chance to be a, a good player. And they have some seriously nice weapons to throw to out of the backfield in Kyron Williams and at the tight end position where they feel like they have the best tight end room in the country. And honestly, it's hard to disagree with them, Chip. Uh, Outside, obviously, will Braden Lindsey or Kevin Austin, now that they're back and healthy, will will they be the guys who can take the step up there? Uh, From an efficiency standpoint, Wisconsin under Jack Cohn was actually pretty competent in 2019, right? They were 14th in SP Plus passing, uh, which I think Notre Dame would would happily take. Now, 95th in passing explosiveness, which would bring up some concerns about his ability to push the deep ball, uh, particularly with, with all the... The nice play-action shots that Wisconsin sets up in that offense, uh, and Notre Dame is going to play a much harder schedule than Wisconsin typically does because Wisconsin is in the Big Ten West, which is kind of a cakewalk uh, compared to what Notre Dame usually faces, including this year. Uh, like, I don't think he profiles as a superstar, but in my mind, personally, just I, I never really thought this was going to be a battle like they went mm. and got him
0: like tyler buckner just excited the fans right like i mean the yeah. there has to be built in uh for uh for a coach brian kelly who takes uh, a lot of uh responsibility for the offense i mean tom tommy thomas reese is you know the quarterbacks coach offensive coordinator but he's you know former brian kelly player i think that If he's going to go ahead and name Jack Cohn, the two takeaways for me, and I haven't decided which one i land, was either Tyler Buckner's not ready or Jack Cohn has improved from when we saw him last at 2019. And that's like a – that has got to be encouraging for Notre Dame fans because, like you mentioned, in 2019, he's very efficient. He's the kind of player that when we're going over our notes in March – You know, Tom's sitting here and he's like, dude, Chip, I think Jack Cohn was a really good quarterback for Wisconsin last season. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't remember him screwing up many games. Do you think that we have to entertain the idea that he has impressed the coaching staff enough to go out and and seize this job?
1: I think you have to entertain it. I don't know that you have to necessarily buy into it. Uh, it, I think it's probably some combination of Jack Cohn showing up and uh, at the very least not regressing uh, from what he was at Wisconsin and, and hopefully progressing. Right. Uh, and then Buckner also likely needing more time. I, I didn't really think Buckner was going to be a plug and play guy as a recruit. Personally, I thought he you know, had nice tools, but would need more development coming out. So th- this kind of fits with that.
0: Right. They both uh, both were on campus for spring practice. Uh, the one of the reasons why the Notre Dame fans were uh, all over it. Uh, as we turn our attention now, let's move west uh, to Eugene, Oregon. First scrimmage comes back with Mario Cristobal's reviews. And Mario Cristobal did not uh, hold anything back. He came out and said that Ty Thompson had the best performance of any of the Oregon quarterbacks. Ty Thompson, incredibly high-ceiling player. Another situation very similar to Notre Dame, where we have an established veteran uh, who is Anthony Brown, former Boston College quarterback, came over. We remember, I would say that Anthony Brown's most successful football came at the very end of the season, conference championship game, and then in the bowl game. Uh, where offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead was even doing some two quarterback stuff with Tyler Shuck. But that was where Brown seemed the most effective to me. His statistics, I don't have the the full report pulled up here. And, of course, uh, Duck Territory, 24-7 sports, Matt Preem, the rest of the group, like they do a fantastic job. If you're an Oregon fan, go subscribe, get VIP right now. I, I feel like for Mario Cristobal to come out, and single out Ty Thompson having the best uh, the best job, it brings up an interesting conversation that we even were having in the group chat. Like, How does that change how you view Oregon should Ty Thompson continue to make this a little bit more interesting in terms of a back and forth?
1: So I, I think it's interesting because I, I'm not really a total believer in the Anthony Brown, I don't use the word hype, but I'm just not convinced that he is a real difference maker. Maybe I'll be wrong about that. Certainly could be. There are some people uh, who really do believe in Anthony Brown quite a lot. Uh, but Ty Thompson, I think his ceiling is probably higher than Anthony Brown's, and it's it's one scrimmage. But, yeah, we really like this kid coming out of high school. We, we, we had him as a top 80 player in the country, a top 10 quarterback in the country in the class of 2021. Who knows? If we've been able to see these guys more in person, maybe he's even a little bit higher. But physical tools in mean, 6'4", 210, 215-ish, really nice arm. Decent mobility. I think he probably does offer a little bit higher ceiling for them, Chip, uh, if he's able to take the job. But also potentially a, a lower floor, given that he is a, a true freshman. But you know, Joe Moorhead operates a, an extremely QB-friendly offense, and uh, I wouldn't wouldn't shock me to see Ty Thompson win that job. I I was always curious, you know, why, why did Tyler Shuck leave? Right? I mean, oh yeah. Was he get was he going to get beaten out by Anthony Brown, or did he read the tea leaves and say, Ooh, Ty Thompson's coming in? Ty Thompson maybe is the goods.
0: So I, I, it's impossible for me to look at the Oregon quarterback battle and not consider the week two trip to Columbus where I don't know. Like, would you, (laughs) is Anthony Brown really just there to be able to get the ducks through like that? Like one of the tougher road games that Oregon's going to play the entire season, if not the toughest road game, or it is the toughest road game. I will say that. Is it one of the toughest road environments that Oregon's going to play the entire season? If I'm an Oregon fan, I might be okay with Anthony Brown starting the first two games, and knowing that the kind of progress that Ty Thompson has made that allows for that game three, you know, week three, week four, kind of changing of the guard, where the veteran ends up stepping aside, and then the uh, the next the next one up comes in and takes over.
1: it's an interesting question because I think it poses: are, Are you if you decided to start Anthony Brown? at Ohio State? Are you starting him because he's better? Are you starting him because you really think he gives you the best chance to win that game? Or are you starting him because you don't want to quote unquote, you know, ruin Ty Thompson if he's not ready? There's all kinds of questions there. And I don't, I don't have the answers on that, you know, right this second. But certainly if Anthony Brown starts, given how well Ty Thompson has played so far in Oregon's camp, fans are going to wonder the entire year, all right, hey, can, can we upgrade this? You know, what 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 happens here? Uh, And if if Oregon was to have a poor year, and I don't think they will, uh, then there's a decent chance. I think Ty Thompson could be your starter by year end, if not already. But I I do think that I mean, what has Anthony Brown done to to guarantee or to, to suggest he should be the absolute favorite for this job? I mean, he may be the favorite, but not like not to the exclusion of all others.
0: You've got to say it's high floor. That you just, you mentioned the variance, you know, as we're talking about any of these uh, freshman quarterbacks that have, have arguably higher ceilings based on projections, based on recruiting ratings and recruiting rankings. And I don't know, I mean, does, it, it will be an interesting uh, challenge to me of where the decision-making lies between Mario Cristobal and Joe Moorhead. And, you know, maybe I'll be overstepping or, you know, expanding too much, but Joe Moorhead already showed in Commerce Championship games and bowl games, just like, ah, we'll just we'll use both quarterbacks. You know, maybe we see something along those lines. Mario Cristobal, because of the nature of offenses that have been fielded under his leadership, leads me to think he's like, Well, you know what, Anthony Brown? He's he's at least gonna get us in the right looks. You know, he he's gonna get us, he's gonna be able to hand the ball off to Travis Dye and CJ Verdell. Their offensive line is so good, their running backs are so good. I just Personally, I don't think that that's going to be a way to keep up with Ohio State, but it could be a way to avoid total offensive disaster.
1: Yeah, right. I I think there's an argument to be made that Ty Thompson gives you a better chance to beat Ohio State, but also a better chance to get your doors blown off.
0: Yes. (laughs) Like you could, you could Are you
1: doing image management for recruiting purposes? Because like, if that staff, and look, I I bet you that staff thinks they can win that game if everything- I hope
0: so. I mean, if, if you are on that staff, you better hope you can win that game.
1: Sure. But like, do you think they can win that game? Because I do not.
0: No, I do not.
1: No. Like I, I don't think they have the same caliber of player that an Ohio State has. I've already bet Ohio State in that game back when it was still in the single digits.
0: It's 11 and, and a half now.
1: Yeah, I got him at what eight or nine, I think. So I don't think Oregon is much of a shot to win that football game. Um, but if you keep it close, it does help you in recruiting. Mm. That could factor into this too. Just as if if I'm Mario Cristobal and Ty Thompson plays well in a scrimmage, I am absolutely talking to the media about this big time. I'm hyping him up because to me as a head coach, I'm sending the message to recruits. Hey, we're going to get these high high profile, high star kids. They're going to come in. They're going to play early, right? They're already making a splash in their first fall camp.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's turn our attention to Baton Rouge. A lot of different names that have popped up for good reasons and concerning reasons. Uh, what's really stood out to you from the the go 20, go two four seven, uh, the great Shea, the rest of the great team there, Billy? Um, what what have you, what are you starting to sense from uh, from the Tigers?
1: I, I think even more offensive weapons for Max Johnson to throw to is a major thing that's standing out to me. Make sure, make sure to check out the Go 247 YouTube page, by the way, Get, getting that getting that excellent podcast up on video as well. Shout out to the team over there. Uh, the young receiver stepping up in addition to Kayshawn Butte, I think it has to be just really good news uh, for LSU. So that chip, that's kind of the first thing that stands out to me. And then the next thing that stands out to me is the Glenn Logan injury, right? Mm. Maybe, maybe not season ending, but uh, expected to miss a couple weeks at least. And I think it's a knee. It might- uh, it's definitely, it's definitely a leg or maybe a foot. Um, maybe well, a knee. but we me.
0: are I, concerned about it, it is, a, it is a lower body injury that, uh, potentially could be lasting well into the season. I,
1: their I was, run, their run defense last year, uh, was, was pretty abysmal
0: mm.
1: and like, it's not like Chip Kelly is going to, you know, not, uh, not be able to handle that. He's gonna have some stuff schemed up for him.
0: You already got that UCLA game uh, on lock. When it comes to the Chip Kelly running attack against an LSU defensive front that could be shorthanded and hasn't really proven to be like dynamite, you know, dynamite stopping against the run, anyway.
1: Exactly right. I mean, like Chip Kelly does all this stuff where they're reading defensive tackles on plays, and and, and they they have a million pullers from all directions. And you know, one of the ways to beat that up is just to be physically dominant. And and I think Glenn Logan's a good player. Uh, so if you had him, that would give me more confidence that LSU goes in there and takes care of business in that opening game at at UCLA. But man, I don't, I don't know. This is this is interesting. They they've done a really good job recruiting the receiver position, though. On on the flip side, and like I know they lost to Eric Gilbert, but these young guys are are pretty nice. And and you know, Keishawn's no joke.
0: Yeah, uh, Brian Thomas, Malik Neighbors. I've I get in this habit because, you know, you know, my rhythms and routines and listeners do too, but every signing day, you know, we really get called into action. You got to cram for it. Like it's a class you haven't been to in a couple weeks, right before an exam, you take on, take in a lot of information, you put out a lot of information and then often, you know, the, it's going to be a year or two. And then they, all of a sudden they flash and you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. I remember writing a quick blog post about him after he made his announcement on CBS sports HQ or whatever. Uh, like all of a sudden, we're really starting to see, especially at the skill positions, these wide receivers start to come in and immediately have an impact. Like I remember discussing uh, Malik Neighbors as a, a really good sign and a really good part of that LSU recruiting class. And now all this, now what he? I don't know if he'll be starting week one, but if he is uh, having the kind of impact and, and leaving the kind of impression that you do. Uh, to be able to get this kind of camp buzz, I feel like that's an awesome sign for Max Johnson and the rest of this passing attack. Much to your point.
1: And look, if, if they can't run the ball again, like last year, their running game was not good. If they if they still can't run the ball, they're gonna have to chuck it around a lot. So having all those weapons certainly helps. Like you, you
0: cannot guard all of us. <laughs> like you've already gotta be concerned about Keishon Butte.
1: And they're going back to the Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Brady style offense right now. We'll see how that works without Joe, you know, Joe Burrow and. And Jamar Chase and Tolliver and, and all, all those guys. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. You know what the... so I, I'm, Marshall, not Tolliver, excuse me.
0: Another uh, little note in my pad from LSU is, like, their offensive line might not be awesome this year, which adds to the wild variance factor of what we're dealing with with this LSU team, where if their offensive line isn't awesome, I'm not going to expect the run game to be able to take great steps forward. And if the offensive line isn't awesome, then it's going to just lead to... Absolutely bananas! Offense that uh, might more resemble uh, like a an old Big Twelve kind of scenario than uh, than what we're used to seeing, maybe from your traditional LSU.
1: I mean, SEC West, right? Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, LSU, LSU, Arkansas, Mississippi State. This is going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, that's it. Is uh, it's it's pretty much all of the SEC West. All right, let's go to the uh, SEC East. Uh, we were, we were talking about. A little note here. This this one's um we mentioned the buzzy news is that Luke Doty uh is out with an injury. Something that we discussed during the SEC East win totals uh podcast. Uh Bud, what have they done to uh to to look for a replacement there?
1: So I, I don't think this guy's gonna start, but who knows? Georgia started Stetson Bennett last year, and I have a hard <sighs> time thinking this guy is worse than Stetson Bennett, right? Um so Zeb Nolan. He's a GA, which means graduate assistant for the Gamecocks. He was uh, at Iowa State, and then he was then uh, last year Trey Lance's backup. Trey Lance now of the 49ers, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, You know, who got picked, obviously, out of North Carolina State. Uh, He was his backup last year. They have decided to move him from the GA role to the QB role because he has a year of experience left. Now, that's a pretty interesting decision. You can read into that what you will. One way might be. Hey, give us more experience. He might be our best quarterback. He probably is not, but we'll see. You know, the other way is, oh my God, they don't trust the kid they got from St. Francis. And this QB position is a disaster. And Bud's, under, you know, over three and a half win total bet that he made earlier at a great number is, is totally nuked. And that's not great. Uh, so I still think this is pretty interesting. Of course, uh, the media loves the move. Uh, Pete Thamel wrote, or quote tweeted here, when I profiled Trey Lance last year, he and OC tied a role or rule, however you say that, uh raved about Noland, loved his Moxie and Intangibles. This move makes sense. I mean, Moxie Intangibles, I don't know these undersized. I can Google him real fast. Like I've got
0: him is. I've got him pulled up. He is a uh, six. Is he undersized? No, he's six two, two twenty four. So huh. not, not undersized, that's but plenty that's, of size. That's p- pretty good size. And like it's uh you're right. Because I, I was almost thinking in my head, is like, how does he have this? So uh 2016 red shirts at Iowa state 2017 plays in four games with one start 2018 uh, threw for 360 yards and two touchdowns against Oklahoma. Uh, And then junior year transferred to North Dakota state lost the quarterback battle against Trey Lance did not play last season. So yeah, only 2017, 18 and 19 of actual action. He's got one year left and now it looks like he's going to be stepping in to at least provide some depth. For that South Carolina offense.
1: He seems to have become much better since high school, by the way, senior season of high school completed 79 of 169 passes. That's, that's, not, uh,
0: that's not a good completion percentage for high school football. If we're talking about college quarterbacks, who is he?
1: Deandre Francois? Like, <laughs> man, it's, it's, it's hard to be that inaccurate in high school and, and, and still go to a P five school. Mm, Joe
0: Milton says, what's up?
1: Yeah. Uh, for, for real. <laughs> uh, Same area.
0: Yeah. Coming up on the other side, we turn our attention to Auburn, Alabama, and some other notes from around the country. Next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure, What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: has uh, has stood out i will i will credit uh credit josh pate he mentioned this on late kick i forgot whether it was the extra or the sunday episode but he he reminded uh his viewers and his listeners something that i think is good to pass along and it is that when you find out that the offense is struggling you can say hey our defense is awesome and when you find out that the offense was lighting it up, you could come back and say, well, that's not a good sign for our defense. So when we hear that Auburn's offense is slow going, where do we start to assign that credit or blame based on what we know about the personnel of Auburn's defense, based on what we know about uh, the, where Auburn has to go in its transition from uh, the Gus Malzahn era into what Brian Harson wants it to be?
1: Yeah, so th- this is an area which I'm fairly concerned about Auburn, right? They were 46th last year on, on offense. They, they lost some key contributors on the outside. We have Brian Harson's new offense coming in. We'll see how Bo Nix uh, can, can translate to that. But both quarterbacks, TJ Finley as well, the, the transfer from LSU, apparently had some turnovers in the scrimmage. Offensive line maybe didn't look quite so good. And this is typical. Most teams, except for maybe Ole Miss, uh, usually have the defense ahead of the offense uh, as of right now some reasons for that obviously they're just running their base stuff the stuff the defense sees pretty much all the time there's the thought that that offensive line takes a little little longer to to gel than the defensive line because it's a little bit less uh, of a individual game a little more of a team game on the offensive line side but uh, auburn is man i i don't know if i'm buying in on this right now um you know tank bigsby i think could bail them out but and this is too much to read into. Obviously, just a, a couple of interceptions in the first scrimmage, but
0: no, this is what like, we do. It's what we do here in mid-August. Yeah, we but got you'd to, like over to hear it. some
1: encouraging stuff, yeah. right? And and I just don't know. I don't know who that you are. Uh, I, I'm. Well, I'm not going to get into that right now. But I, I I am I'm interested to see how this team goes.
0: Oh yeah, about Auburn in general. There there is a a, a slow leak from the cover 3 brain trust of auburn stock that we are like quietly selling right now and really really hoping no one notices just in case
1: and listen to our sec win totals tomorrow for kind of much more
0: <laughs> yes um uh let's let's go ahead and go to the uh, iron bowl rivals what's been your general sense of uh you know Bryce Young is the established uh, starter. You know, what's your general sense of sort of where this, this offense is and uh, in Alabama in general based on what we've heard from the first scrimmage and from camp so far?
1: Well, I think the number one thing is Trey Sanders, right? Yeah. If you go to Bama online, you know, really, really positive comments so far about Trey Sanders. Trey Sanders is a player I know fairly well. I covered him as a recruit. He was from Port St. Joe. Then he moved down there to IMG. Just a, a massive dude. I mean, like, there you're gonna you're gonna look back there and with the helmets on. You're like, wait,
0: is that Selagi? a linebacker?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, just his thing was always can he stay healthy? I know he had I think a foot injury one time, and I think he had had a knee at another time or or a hammy. Uh, but when he was healthy, he was a really electric back for IMG. They had both him and Noah Kane on the same team, by the way, at IMG. Which <laughs> shocker, they were pretty good. Uh, but I I think just his ability to be a a powerful But also like explosive runner, he has some very nice top end speed when he gets in the open field. That that could give Bama's offense a really interesting dynamic as Bryce Young and these new receivers round themselves into form.
0: Yeah, it's uh, interesting. I had Brian Robinson in my head as just like, well, you know, he's experienced. He's a violent and physical runner, and he he's someone that I think could probably you know just take care of business like he he might in, not end up being your first team all SEC pick but he could absolutely be effective enough to help this offense go to hear that uh you know Trey Sanders is out here and um you know making this kind of impact to know that Jason McClellan is right there uh Brian Robinson is right there all of a sudden like life for life for Bryce Young should be getting much easier i will ask and Uh, It's worth noting that when uh, Alabama was scrimmaging this weekend, I think that we were down Evan Neal for sure, and maybe one or two other starters. Where's your faith or confidence right now in Alabama's offensive line?
1: It's honestly fairly high. They've recruited the position very well. I think they've developed the position well. I think Bama started doing some stuff in strength conditioning that a lot of teams aren't doing yet with with their more science-based approach with, with Dr. Matt Ray and those guys. And I expect him to, to dominate pretty much everybody else up front uh, yet again this year. I, I don't have a whole lot of concerns about Alabama. I, I have some you know, some questions, right? Can Bryce Young be as good as we think he can be? Can these talented but lesser experienced receivers you know, be as good? Do they have the replacements in the secondary ready to go? Uh, but those are more questions than they are legitimate concerns at this point.
0: Isn't it funny how you could fill out a whole uh, all SEC team at linebacker with only Alabama linebackers?
1: Uh, yeah. It, that's. <laughs> oh, Also we did hear about Will Anderson uh-huh. just absolutely crushing people. And uh, I mean, there are times when you have a guy who is so dominant that you have to basically hold him out of, of scrimmages or drills because he just disrupts everything. It doesn't let you get in the type of reps. And it sounds like Will Anderson at times is flashing that type of dominance. So, you know, that's that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, that's it's like Will Anderson got pulled off the field. Oh no, is he injured? No, he's just too damn good and he's ruining our practice.
1: I think By the way, can we get some contemporaneous camp buzz going right now? Yeah, for sure. Um, so check this out. You guys are watching us live or listening to us immediately after this. Northwestern under six and a half wins minus dollar five is still out there, and they just announced two things back to back. Number one, Cam Porter uh is out for the season. That's Northwestern's breakout running back. Number two, uh, I'm going to take a victory lap here. I never bought into the Ryan Helensky hype. I got all kinds of shit for this from South Carolina fans when he was a recruit for when I was like, no, he's not even close to the next Trevor Lawrence because they had landed Trevor and then South Carolina landed Helensky and they're like, he's the same. Like, What? No. Yeah, okay. Uh, he got beat out. They're going with, they've already announced that they're going with Hunter Johnson.
0: Which for Hunter Johnson, that is one heck of a rebound right cuz or thought, does
1: it mean Helensky just can't play oh man cuz that's what i think
0: okay i'm going to go with my hunter johnson i was gonna, congratulations hunter on being able to like finally stick the landing or something like
1: can we review what hunter johnson did in 2019 with this team
0: yeah sure let's 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 go with the live read right here it's, it's, hunter it's johnson
1: this is uh this is and, and really... for those
0: listen for those who might not have remember hunter johnson was in a clemson quarterback room uh with kelly bryant right? And that was, I believe he left after spring, but you you were looking at who was going to replace Deshaun Watson after Deshaun goes to the league. And Hunter Johnson, four-star player, you know, blue chip prospect. He was, you know, right there as uh, as someone who they figured might have a chance, might have a shot. And uh, obviously he left Clemson, then he ends up landing at Northwestern. And what did he do at Northwestern?
1: 130th out of 130 teams in passing SP plus 130th in passing explosiveness, 130th in adjusted net yards per attempt, completion percentage, 46% sack rate, 9.2%, which is also really, really high adjusted net yards per attempt before he got benched. 1.3, one to four touchdown interception ratio. Not good. Not I'm good. not buying it, man. I Northwestern's not making a bowl.
0: Um, there you go any other uh any other notes from around the country before we uh, we buzz it up on out of here
1: yeah just a couple quick things I'll, I'll read off these quick hitters uh let me see Dylan Morris uh, apparently had a pretty good scrimmage for Washington so that I think gives them some stability there certainly uh, you already, needed already...
0: you needed him to be strong because that was another uh freshman quarterback because we've got uh little Heward out there.
1: Yes, uh, exactly. And in the ACC, Leonard Taylor, five-star defensive lineman for Miami, is already uh wrecking shop out there, as we've been told, at 24-7 Sports, so that's that's good to hear. Kind of a a tweener, D tackle you know, jumbo-in type. I think his future is there on the inside, most likely. Uh, Marcel Brooks, former LSU linebacker kid I really like coming out of high school, uh, is transferred to TCU, and it looks like he's actually competing at receiver some, so that would give them a an explosive physical presence at receiver uh, kind of interesting there.
0: That's awesome for his transition because Brooks, I think might've been lifted listed as receiver, maybe not last year, but most of his play was on special teams. So he's clearly like in the transitional or was in the transitional period. And if he's, if he's going to land, it's great for Max Duggan. It's great for, you know, Quentin Johnston great for Zach Evans, great for everybody to be able to have someone else that can be a real difference maker.
1: Um, and then also, Mackenzie Milton has not seized this job yet at FSU. We haven't talked about that recently. Yeah. yeah. Jordan Travis, I have been told, is legitimately throwing the ball better. It's hard to be worst. I think they were 121st last year in passing SP+. So that's you know, not hard to go down when there's only 127 teams playing ball. Uh, but. Milton has not lit the world on fire yet. Like he does not have that job locked up in any any way, shape, or form. Are you able to
0: are you able to separate the uh intellectual from the emotional on that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, of course you are. Um, but it's <laughs> the do you think Florida State fans would be?
1: Mm, no, probably yeah. not. Although most of the time fans will take and just buy into whoever they the coach decides to start and be like, oh look, he he's awesome. You know, he's he's improved this much. And Look, I, I do generally believe that Jordan has improved. Um, but also, if Mackenzie Milton was what he was back at UCF, this is not a competition.
0: Right. But it's impossible to expect him <clears throat> to be what he was at UCF. The question was whether 75% of what right. he was at UCF was going to be good enough to beat out Jordan Travis.
1: I don't know that he's that.
0: Woo. Uh, very interesting ongoings you know, in Tallahassee. We'll be sure to keep our eyes on that. You can follow him on Twitter at 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Keep your eyes peeled. SEC West win totals coming up. And win totals box after that. Well, thank you very much.